Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio's The Get EI Radio. I'm your host, Stacey Chavel, coming to you live from Las Vegas. Joining me tonight is Susie Pomerantz. Susie is an award-winning executive coach, facilitator, and author with over 17 years' experience coaching leaders and teams in over 135 organizations internationally across government agencies, nonprofits, and private sector clients, including seven companies on the Fortune 100 list, seven corporate law departments, and over a dozen law firms. Susie specializes in the intersection between leadership and business development and helps executives, teams, and organizations find clarity in chaos. She was one of the first executive coaches to receive the master credentials from the International Coaching Federation over 11 years ago and is considered a thought leader in the coaching industry, teaching at several of the top coaching training schools and programs. She served on several international boards of directors and advisory boards in the coaching industry and has authored 25 publications about coaching, ethics, and business development, including her book, Seal the Deal. She received the 2007 Woman of Achievement Award from Business and Professional Women with a Commission for Women. In 2008, the ICCO Board of Directors established a legacy award, the Susie Pomerantz Award for the Stewardship will be given annually. In 2009, Susie was named the number one most influential executive coach on Twitter. She is the founder of the Leading Coaches Center and the Leaders Clubhouse and co-founder of the Library of Professional Coaching. Susie, it's such an honor to have you on our show tonight. Thank you, Stacey. It's a real honor to be here. What role does passion play in your business, and what are you passionate about? You mean besides my little kids? I am I'm passionate about leadership excellence, and as an executive coach, I get to play with leaders and teams, so I get to play with that passion all the time. And I'm also I'm, I'm really passionate about stewardship and advancement of the profession of executive coaching, because I think there's just such a profound impact to make worldwide by impacting business leadership. I agree. I completely agree with you. So how do you inspire others to change their lives? You know, it's it's such a funny question because I don't know that I actually set out to consciously inspire others. So when you ask that, it, it gives me pause to think, you know, am what do I do to inspire others? Because it's not like I have a strategy that I follow to set out to do that. Of course, I'd love, I love hearing that I have inspired others. But I think what I do is it, it's about listening at the soul level. I think it's about being somewhat addicted to possibility. I'm, I'm definitely a possibility person. I'm inspired by possibility, and I'm inspired by people making a big difference in the world, so I listen for that in other people. And and then when I can reflect that back to them, I think they get inspired by their own ability to inspire. Um, and I think I inspire others by creating and expanding and highlighting what's possible for them. Um, if I think about as a coach, the work that I do as a coach with leaders and, and leadership teams, that it's about not only bringing some lightness and freedom to their otherwise serious endeavors, but um, but really showing them the places where their resilience and their ability to make a big difference in the world can, can reach fruition. There's a lot of things that inspire me, you know, when I think about it. I mean, children, nature, art, certain McDonald's commercials. <laughs> You say that you coach at the intersection of leadership and business development. Where do they intersect? 
Well, leadership and business development really inform each other. So if you imagine intersecting circles in a Venn diagram with leadership on one side and business development on the other side, that part where they intersect in the middle, it, it, that's the part where they become seamless operationally. So for example, if you are a leader in an organization, then and you need to seamlessly integrate into your leadership the core principles of business development in order to know your people, in order to gain followership, in order to promote your ideas to a board or to employees or to the media or other constituents or stakeholders. So there's that intersection on, on the leadership side. But likewise, if you're in any kind of a sales or business development role, or if you have a business development aspect to your business or your job, you will be most effective if you are employing core leadership principles into your business development activities, such as listening, inspiring, motivating, um, holding and articulating an enrolling vision, instilling confidence, building trust, communicating powerfully, strategically managing expectations, you know, particularly around executive presence or leadership brand, all those things that leaders do. So, so the intersection, to me, it's there, if you imagine like a Mobius strip that's animated and moving, where leadership turns into business development and business development turns into leadership and they go back and forth and inform each other, I think that, at least in my mind, they're very integrated. And those who are most successful leaders are, are those who pay attention to the business development aspects of leadership. And those who are most effective in developing business are doing so because they're paying attention at the level of a leader. I see. I, just, I want to ask you a couple questions about the coaches. What can coaches do right now to grow their client base, revenue, and their business? Well, first and foremost, it's a great question because I think a lot of coaches, at least in the language that I hear coaches talking about, talk about their business as a practice instead of as a business. So first and foremost, what coaches can do is think of their coaching business as a business and not a practice. And for me, the distinction is that a practice it's for medical professionals or mental health professionals. You know, your therapist, your dentist, your doctor, they have a practice. If you're thinking of your coaching as a business, you're going to operate more as a business owner rather than as a practitioner. So you'll consider things like business systems, strategies, and structures in a more expanded view than if you're building a practice. So to me, a practice has patients and a business has clients. A business has systems. A business has sales strategies and marketing plans. A business has advisors, you know, maybe an advisory board or a board of directors, things that, that aren't really there in a practice. So I guess one way to think about it would be, you know, you have a coaching practice if you are, maybe, maybe if you are an individual coach who only sells to individual clients. Maybe that's the distinction of a practice. And having a coaching business is if you are selling into organizations or you're selling to teams or you're coaching at a, at a broader level than the one-on-one -on -one individual coaching. I see. Your book, Seal the Deal, has been very well received. What, what are the key points? Do you mind covering them? Um, well, Seal the Deal came out quite a few years ago at this point, and, and it still seems to be holding true, which is interesting that it's sort of withstanding the test of time, other than the advent of social media, which isn't part of Seal the Deal. But um, Seal, the Deal, Seal the Deal covers how to systematize your business development efforts. So it, it looks at the distinctions between networking, marketing, and sales, the idea being that business development is the broad umbrella or the three-legged stool, and the three legs of the stool are networking, marketing, and sales, and that you actually have to be taking activity across all three domains simultaneously in order to 
get the most effective and immediate results from your business development activities. And I think a lot of times we co-mingle the language and we confuse the concepts by talking about um, talking about marketing and meaning sales or talking about marketing but meaning business development. You know, we talk about going out to market our coaching business or I hear people talk about marketing their practice. <laughs> so, um, again, I go back to you think about it as a business, but if we understand that marketing is a preparational activity and it's distinct from sales, which is about generating conversations that are specific to developing business, then it's a matter of understanding the distinctions between all three. So the book does a lot about distinguishing networking from marketing from sales and looking at how you can take action simultaneously across all three domains for maximum results and also how to think about business development as a numbers game and, and some of the mindsets for success because just like coaching, business development is really all about the mindsets. And you know, when we when we look at the mindset of playing the numbers game and, and thinking about it as a numbers game, it's really it really comes down to how to manage our own fear and anxiety. So, um, if, you know, if you're, yeah. So if you're if you're pursuing five leads to create opportunities to coach, and one of those doesn't come through, then you, you have an emotional attachment to it. You have a reaction. You have a visceral response, a physiological response. You feel it in your body. Well, if you're pursuing 150 leads and one doesn't come through, you don't really have time to wallow in it because you're on to the next thing. It's onward and upward, and you, it, it's it's a way of the numbers game allows you as a coach to manage your own emotion around the business development process. That's exactly right. I completely agree with you. You've mentioned that you are passionate about stewardship and the advancement of the coaching profession. What have you initiated to that end? You know, I think because because it's something that I'm passionate about, I've just always been involved in things that advance the coaching profession, and I don't think I understood that until someone asked me what I was passionate about, and I sort of had to look back and think, well, what are all the things that I've been doing that I don't get paid to do, you know, because that's where I look to see what am I passionate about. So I had, I've been volunteering for so many years. I started my coaching business 17 years ago, and um, I remember when the local coach organization, which at the time was called the PPCA, merged with what was the beginning of the ICF, and that was in 1994 or 5. And I remember volunteering in the newly formed ICF for many, many years. Um, I was in the first round of people who sort of threw in their hat to become uh, an MCC, which was a very unknown entity at the time and just being created. And and then I also was involved as a co-leader of the Executive Coaching Summit for three years. I attended it for eight years. I think it only existed for ten years. Um, and, and then from there moved into, you know, out of the Executive Coaching Summit, a group of us um, started creating other things that are now really thriving, like the, the International Journal of Coaching and Organizations, and I was one of the co-founding board members of that, and then the International Consortium for Coaching and Organizations, and I was one of a core group that became the founding board of that. And then um, and then just last year, I, I founded the Leading Coaches Center and with some partners launched the Library of Professional Coaching. Um, and right now we're working on the Leaders Clubhouse, so there's always – there's always stuff that I'm engaged in just because, you know, it's fun and it pursues my passion, but it's also about advancing 
and doing things for coaches, for the coaching profession. And, I've, you know, I've written articles and I've spoke, spoken at coaching events and um, I spoke at the ICF conference and local, the D.C. ICF conference and at Linkage and I've taught at some of the top coach training colleges and programs around. So I think it's I think when you're passionate about something you're just always doing it. You know, it's just it's just sort of what I do and who I am and I don't really necessarily think about um what am I going to go do now just in order to advance the profession. I just it's it's just what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are the 3 Gs of sales success? The 3 Gs it, it's so funny. I love to try to think of you know, what are the three C's or the three G's to make it easier for people to remember? So the three G's of sales success that I want to focus on are gratitude, generosity, and gumption. Uh, but there are so many more G's that apply to success in growing a business. There's guts and grace and growth and green, if you look at all the focus on sustainable energy as well as green like money, and uh, grit and gallantry. I mean, there's a lot of G's. So when I start playing with it, my creativity um, explodes with G words. But but to focus on the three G's, gratitude, generosity, and gumption. Gratitude is the antithesis to fear. So when it's combined with resilience, it creates confidence. Fear is what stops us. Fear paralyzes us. And gratitude is a vehicle for releasing the energy of the hold that fear has on us. So generating something that everybody can do and in any moment of feeling fear or experiencing anxiety is to stop and consciously shift the focus to gratitude. What am I grateful for now? What am I grateful for in this moment? Um, you know, if I'm worried about not making enough money, then I can shift to gratitude for the money that I have made. I can shift to gratitude that I'm not homeless or gratitude that I have enough to eat or gratitude that, you know, that there are clients coming. You know, there, so there's always something to be grateful for. And then that, what that does is it releases the energy. When you're in fear, you're paralyzed. You're, you're stopped and you can't take action. And so... Just shifting into gratitude allows you to release that energy and take action again. Um, and then generosity, the second G, is about is about genuine giving from a philosophy of being a go-giver instead of a go-getter. <laughs> There's a wonderful book written by Bob Berg and David John David Mann, and it's the, it's called The Go-Giver. And they actually are about to release a new book called um, Go-Givers Sell More. I think is the title. I'm not exactly sure about that, but the Go-Giver is a great little book that talks about the five laws of stratospheric success. And, and all it's written around a little parable, a business parable. And, and the whole concept is that if you're giving from a genuine place, um, then what happens is it all comes back to you. It, it, and often it comes back to you tenfold, right? But you're not giving in order to gain. You're giving from the generous place of giving, and yet you do gain from it. Um, it's you know, kind of like the law of attraction philosophy. Um, and then there's gumption, which if you look gumption up in the dictionary, you know, it's defined as initiative or enterprising, you know, being enterprising. For me, gumption is really about being proactive and um, and it's about, you know, having the guts to take action. So it, it's kind of part two of the law of attraction where where you take a strategic action with calculated risks towards manifesting the results that you want. So those are the three Gs. Very good. Those are very interesting. Do you have a favorite coaching question or one that comes up more than others when working with executives? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, it's so funny because I, I pay attention to what I hear coming out of my mouth in coaching sessions because oftentimes I find that it's 
stuff that I need to pay attention to as well. So it comes out of my mouth completely in service to whatever I'm hearing in the client. And some part of my brain goes, ooh, take note of that because that's useful for you too. So one of the questions that I keep hearing come out of my mouth that I then apply backwards to myself in, in growing my business is, what conversations do you need to have with whom to get the results you want? And, and I find that just asking that question to my clients in the middle of the coaching session usually releases some freedom for them of where they've been stuck around getting something to move when they start to think about, oh, okay, well, if I were to have a conversation with somebody about getting this result, what conversation do I need to have, first of all, and, and with whom do I need to have that conversation? And it, it opens up so much possibility in the coaching conversation. I really like that one. Why do you advise coaches to never give away free sessions as a marketing strategy? Well, I know this is a little bit controversial since most of the coach training programs teach coaches to give away a taste of their coaching or a sample session as a means of giving people an experience of what coaching is. Uh, There's a theory that um, coaching is an abstract service, so therefore it's difficult to sell, but that's a myth because what you're selling is not coaching. Coaching is the methodology. Coaching is the vehicle for delivery. What you're selling is the results, and those results are produced in a trusting relationship. So either you're selling the results or you're selling the trusted advisor relationship. Um, I know the ICF doesn't like the word advisor, but there's that element of what you're selling is that trusting relationship. And it's the confidence you're selling the confidence that you are the right person to provide partnership to the client towards achieving their intended results. And when you give it away for free, first of all, it's much harder to get someone to pay for something that they've gotten for free later on, but it also it dilutes the value of coaching services in the marketplace, and it does our industry a disservice, not to mention doing your own bottom line a disservice. So I think that my I think that why this is a pet peeve of mine comes out of my passion for stewarding and advancing the profession because the coaches who are out there giving away free coaching and wondering why they can't make ends meet financially is because um, by giving it away for free, they're not helping their clients to make a decision about coaching. What they're doing is creating the value of coaching in the marketplace as something that should be delivered for free, Um, and that doesn't help any of us. So instead... If you, as a coach, want to offer something that would give clients a taste of your work style or offer them a trial session if they've never experienced coaching, do it at a reduced price because when they have to pay to play, then they have skin in the game and their results are greater, and and then they are more inclined to determine if if they got the value for their money. They're more likely to put more into it. The way I look at it is that, and I completely agree with you, by the way, the way I look at it is that they won't appreciate it. They won't put the real effort into it. They won't really understand or, or appreciate the value of what they're getting because they didn't put in any money towards it. And when you That's get right. something for free, you don't appreciate it as much as you do when you've worked hard for it or when you've had to pay for it. And it also breeds a certain kind of entitlement, too, because you start to feel entitled you know, oh, well, if this person's willing to coach me for free, why would I ever have to pay for coaching when if I could just go to all these different coaches and they're all willing to give me a free session, I could get all my free coaching hand, you know, I could just get everything for free. It doesn't help. It doesn't help any of us. And then this also goes back to my earlier point about thinking like a business owner and not like a practitioner. If you are a business, then part of your product is your time. Why would you give away for free such a large percentage of your product? Do you know any successful business 
that gives away such a large percentage of their product. If you think about one hour in a workday, so let's say you have an eight-hour workday, so that is one-eighth of your workday that you're giving away for, for one client, right? So if you are, if let's say you have 10 prospective clients, are you going to give away 10 hours of your service? I mean, that's, if you look at that in terms of a percentage of your overall product, that is nowhere near equivalent to what Baskin Robbins does with their pink spoon. You know, they have those teeny tiny little pink spoons and they give you a little taste of one flavor, but they've got however many flavors and they charge whatever they charge for a scoop of ice cream. So they're giving you a very, very small percentage of their product. But coaches, we say, okay, we'll give you a free hour. That's a huge percentage of our product if we're thinking like a business. So it's a question of as a business owner, what is the best use of your business's resources and how does it align with your business's marketing plan? And how can you, if what your clients need is a taste, how can you do that in a way that supports your bottom line as well as their their goals. So doing it at a reduced rate or for a limited time offer, I think, meets everyone's goals. I think that's, I, I completely agree with you. What is the most important thing, not just for coaches but for everybody else, uh, what is the most important thing to keep in mind about social media? I, I think keeping in mind what it can and can't do. Going back to the distinctions from Seal the Deal, where I talked about the distinctions between networking and marketing and sales, they are different things. Networking is about building relationships and about genuine human connection, and social media is great for that. Marketing is about getting your message out, getting known or branded in a certain arena, it's about um, you know, creating logos and having websites and writing articles and public speaking. It's all that preparational stuff about getting out to market. So social media is great for that as well. And then there's sales. And sales is where you're having conversations with qualified, vetted candidates who, who could be potential buyers of your products or services with the distinct purpose of engaging in a contract or exchanging equal, an equal exchange of value, um, usually you know, your service for their money. And social media can't do that. <laughs> So, you know, all the time I get questions from people about, well, how much money have you made on social media and how much money can you expect to make on social media? And it's, it's not, that's not the point of it. The point of it is as to create connection and it allows you to connect. What's brilliant about social media is it allows you to connect with millions of people at any time of day or night from wherever you happen to be that you have connectivity. So whether that's your smartphone or whether that's your computer in your home or your office or a laptop in your bed, you know, you can be anywhere and you can be connecting and networking with people all over the world, which is the power of it. And you can, your ideas and your content and your messaging can be viral within nanoseconds of your putting it out there. And it's great for that. But if you go into social media thinking, um, I'm going to, I'm going to generate revenues directly from social media, then that's a, that's a misnomer. You know, it's it's a misuse of what it what it can do and what it's best used for. Now that said, using social media appropriately as a networking and a marketing vehicle can absolutely increase your sales because what it does is it connects you to more people that you can then create appointments with. You can set up meetings and have conversations with those people once you've used social media to create the connection. But I think that is the most important thing to keep in mind is what it can and can't do and how to use it um, in the, the way that it's designed to be best used rather than expecting it to be the miracle cure for business development. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right about that because it's uh, it's a way of introducing yourself to the world 
whereas before, before all the social media and all the Internet, I mean, the Internet's been around for 40 years, but before everybody was on the Internet, it, you were only known locally or, you know, some people might know you nationally, you know, if you were really high up the chain, but very few people were able to reach out and, and touch all these people out there in the world, and now you can. Yeah, and, you know, given the explosion of social media and other Web 2.0 kinds of advancements, and if you combine that with the economic challenges that, are, that we're facing today globally, a, a professional services provider like a coach can do so much more networking and marketing with farther reach than less co- and, and for less cost than ever before. So, you know, when you look at prior to the popularity of the social networking like LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook, which are pretty much the big three now, um, networking opportunities before that were limited in scope and scale to your personal connections and your ability to attend relevant meetings within whatever local travel distance or however far you were willing to spend money to fly. And now, especially with Twitter, like I can connect day or night with people all over the world in amazing numbers. So, for example, I've got some over 8,000 followers on Twitter, which you know, of course, those aren't all meaningful relationships, but that's 8,000 people with whom I wouldn't have otherwise been connected but for Twitter. And that's a lot of people. <laughs> Plus, I learned so much from social media. You know, people are always posting really intriguing things and links and information, and it's, I, I, can, I can spend hours just following links that people are posting because there's so much great information out there, and I find that social media helps winnow down the vast world of information that's out there by making it relevant in, in your network community. Well, I wanted to ask you really quickly, how can already successful coaches take their business to the next level? Well, I think there's a number of ways to do that. I think collaborating and joining up with other colleagues is a really important way to do that, and also looking to collaborate and do joint ventures with folks who aren't necessarily colleagues. So expanding your offering in whatever way that looks like at whatever point your business is right now. You can always do a joint venture or a collaboration with someone else to either offer services that complement yours or to expand your services to a level or depth or scale that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. Um, I think mastermind groups are a great way to take your business to the next level. And uh, I know there are a number of mastermind groups that are all coaches. I would actually advocate getting involved in a mastermind group like mine where um, I, I'm in a mastermind group where they're not all coaches. They're speakers, they're authors, they're consultants. Um, and what happens is that I get this wonderful cross-pollination of what they're doing in their businesses that I try to think about, hmm, could that apply to my coaching business? So I'm not just in a room of people who are dealing with the same challenges I am or dealing with the same industry issues that I am, but they're bringing their own challenges to bear and we're able to support each other in different ways beyond what co- what coaches can do for each other. Um, and then, you know, one of the places to do that would be um, part of why I designed the Leading Coaches Center and the Leaders Clubhouse, too, is that in the Leading Coaches Center, people can come together to collaborate, and that's a free community for executive coaches who have been around a while. So it's designed for the seasoned executive coach or business coach to come together and share best practices and find other potential colleagues for joint ventures and partnering opportunities and to really be able to engage with like-minded individuals and see what we can create together um, to help each other take our businesses to the next level and to have a greater impact on our clients in that way. So I think I think that the wave of the future for coaching as an industry in terms of getting to the next level has a lot to do with 
colleagueship and connectivity and co-creation and building things together, whether it's joint ventures or strategic alliances or um, or just finding ways to play together. That's a very good point, Susie. I thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. It was wonderful talking to you. If you would like more information about Susie Pomerantz, please go to the TCE, the Coach Exchange, get EI, that's G-E-T-E-I dot com website where you can find out more about Susie Pomerantz, her, her website, and activities that she's presenting in the future. Thank you for joining us on Blog Talk Radio's The Coach, Coach Exchange Radio, The Get EI Radio, March 24, 2010. I'm Stacey Chadwell. Have a good evening. Bye-bye.